All right, welcome to the Mainstream Mass Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Sharon. What is up, guys? Today, we're going to be getting into trades the Mavs could make around the NBA, just some smaller moves around the margins to potentially improve their team. We already covered the Mavs, what the Mavericks could do regarding the Donovan Mitchell aftermath. If he gets traded somewhere, deals that could happen with the Jazz. So today, we'll just be getting into some smaller deals the Mavericks could do to improve around the margins. But before we do that, we want to give our deepest condolences to people around the NBA family and his loved ones in particular. NBA legend Bill Russell died at 88 years old, a true pioneer to the game and someone who helped the civil rights movement just in general in America. And, um, you know, with African-American individuals in the NBA, and he's a legend, and I'll forever revere him. Do you have any close um, closing thoughts on Bill Russell's passing as of recently, Jaron? No, yeah, I mean, a true pioneer of the game, a true pioneer of having a voice in sports, leading the way for African-American people just to play sports, give them, you know, something, something to look forward to. Uh, You know, he did that on and off the court every day, uh, even after he was retired. Uh, You know, like I wore number six for Julius Irving and Bill Russell whenever I was younger. And that was me in 2013. And he had that touch to me and he had played 50 years before that. So, you know, it's, it, it was it was shocking. Like I was really sad, but I just all we can say is thank you. Yeah, and he goes so much beyond basketball, but eleven rings really speaks for itself. But without further ado, um, our sponsor for today is Anchor, and here is a brief message from them. All right, Jaron. So looking at some trades that we have compiled and configured here together over the last couple of days. Both of us actually ended up staying up uh, really late last night trying to iron out for like four and a half hours. Yes, trying just trying to iron out some of these trades that Mavericks could do, and in 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 anticipation that we would be able to do a podcast, but we were both left too tired, so we decided we'd do it today. But you know, we're gonna a couple of these. I think just one or two of these are trades that the Mavericks could do with the Jazz fallout that we didn't mention on the last pod with the that the Mavericks could do with the jazz fallout when we did that pod a couple weeks ago, I believe. Yeah. But all besides that, all of these are new furbished fake trades. And, you know, I don't think any of these exact ones will probably end up coming into fruition, but it's the thought that counts. It's the thought that counts. And like the players coming back that we could realistically see. Yeah, exactly. And just to preface, um, any sign-in trade scenarios for Colin Sexton, any trade scenarios where the Mavericks would be a third team facilitating um, Kevin Durant going to the Celtics, we tried really hard to be able to do. And we even put a funny um, little tweet up on Twitter about um, a Mavericks-Hawks-Nets trade with Kevin Durant going to the Celtics that the salaries were just too conflicting and um, – too deferring and they just did it was really hard to work out so if anything i could see the mavericks getting involved in the fallout of the nets of a nets and celtics trade but i do not really foresee them being able to be a third team as the facilitator in that trade just for the simple fact that both of those teams are still trying to be good no exactly i agree with that yeah but that it's the math configuration of the colin sexton one that's so frustrating yes. Yes, um, because in a sign and trade like that, the team that is sending out the player on his newly furbished contract, so for instance, Cleveland, they only have $8 million of outgoing salary. Like if, for instance, if Colin Sexton was signed to a three-year $48 million, year, uh, $48 million deal, he'd be making $16 million a year. Uh, Cleveland would only be sending out 50% of the first year of his contract in that deal. And you have to hit like this, like real sweet median in terms of 
what the Mavs can send out and what the Cavs are sending out that like just works within sort of that like um you know 125% leniency you know of where you can go over and under on trades in terms of salary cap and the trade you know the yeah. salary the salaries matching and it's just really hard to make work it now that's not to say that the Kevin Durant and Mavericks and Celtics um thing couldn't work and the salt the Colin Sexton trade you know particularly if the Mavericks got a third team involved to help facilitate that couldn't work it's just extremely complex and you know it's almost worth not spending our time looking at when you know all these are fake trades but you know the ones we have are definitely probably a little more realistic in terms of deals that can be done um versus you know we'll leave the other ones up to uh nico harrison and the uh, front office at the map well, so, so pleased to uh, get themselves involved in any of that no yeah the, okay the trades that we will be talking about I feel like some are far-fetched and then some are more realistic. Yes, definitely. You can, you can categorize them. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah. Like I think the logistics of, if you want to work out a Colin Sexton or you want to be that third team grabbing a player and a Kevin Durant fallout, like that's just for what we're given, what resources we are given. I just don't think we can do that. Yeah, um, no, I agree. Cause I mean, right now the Mavericks, only real three tradable players you know i understand everybody's technically tradable except for luca but the only real three tradable players they have right now are going to be davis bertons dwight powell and tim hardaway jr for the most part without sacrifice like they got to get significantly better they can't just make a one-for-one move with like dorian or reggie you know like oh you know they got it if they were going to move or maxi even if they're moving one of those three guys they would need to get significantly better and you know, if they're just making moves around the margins, as we suppose. Then, you know, those are really the only three guys I could see getting shipped off. Oh, and I guess Josh Green as well. Um, yeah, you can, you can throw Josh Green in there. Or Frank, I think, or Frank, you know. I feel like those two guys we try and hold on to as much as possible. Yeah. But realistically, I could see one of those going out if we're the trying. Mavs, yeah, if the Mavs got desperate and they had to give up just one young player with a little bit of upside, then hey, I could see it happening. Um, but for the most part, you know, even if some of these trades that we're listing off here are, you know, really big in nature, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're like, they have like huge salary cap connotations for the Mavericks. Um, just as you know, the whole three team aspect of some of these trades is what makes it seem like it's such a huge deal, but not most of them aren't really too blown out of proportion, but we're going to do the more minor trades first and then we'll get into the more like major trades and you know the ones with more salaries and picks and all that later in the pod no yeah all right so getting into it the first trade that we're going to start with is actually kind of an unlikely suitor i think for most mass fans when looking at players the mass could potentially get from this roster but they have a couple veterans and they're definitely trying to rebuild there's not a doubt about that so um in this trade we have josh richardson coming back to the Mavericks, which I know a lot of Mavs fans would be disgruntled about, um, yeah. I think myself included, but um, it's only at the cost of Dwight Powell and a second round pick. You know, I think my only issue with this is like the Mavericks basically traded Josh Richardson to get a second, if I remember. So, you know, like, I don't know. I just feel like they're just they're like, oh, yep, we lost Jalen Brunson. Let's just sort of represent ourselves here and i know a lot of fans would not like this move but i mean josh richardson did showcase a little bit last year particularly with the celtics that you know he improved his shot a little bit from when he was with the mavericks and you know he's still a an above average you know lanky to guy who can defend some point guards you know yeah not like elite at that end but he's definitely an above average defender no um, exactly you were you were the one who actually proposed this trade what are your thoughts on it so i think i think there's multiple parts that have to happen before this trade happens. Cause I feel like the Mavericks need to get that secondary ball handler. And let's say we keep Dwight Powell and we give up Davis Bertans and whatever trade that may be, but let's say we keep Dwight Powell and, you know, maybe, maybe we trade like Tim Hardaway or something. So we're missing a little wing depth there. Mm-hmm. I could see the Mavericks. I wouldn't even say taking a swing. Um, I would just, it just feels in depth really. Yeah, just um, to shore up the depth. Now, yeah. yeah. 
if, if the Mavericks had already sent out Hardaway in some other deal, I could see how this thing works. But if the Mavericks just go into training camp having made this move, I would, I don't know. You know. No, I don't. I'm not saying I, I like this move or anything. I just feel like knowing the Mavs, this is probably the most realistic option. Yeah. So <laughs> that says a lot. But yeah, no, I, I, no. like, I think if there's moves that happened before, and like I said, like Tim Hardaway or some sort of wing goes, I don't mind this trade because mm-hmm. um, there's not a lot expected from Josh Richardson as there was in that uh, season that he played with us. Right. Um, so, you know, I don't hate it if that were the case, but let's yeah. just say this is the only move we make, then I don't like this at all. No, yeah, same. If if the, if Tim Hardaway was still on the roster and was not moved, then I think this is a terrible deal because I don't, I don't think that this is, as we saw in Dallas, Josh Richardson is not a guy who's going to be able to be – any sort of secondary ball handler off the bench. And he proved that time and time again to us. Well, and again, like we have a whole new coaching staff now, so we're, I don't think we'll be expecting that from him. Um, he's going to have a way different role. And I feel like as long as he has a different role, then we're okay. Yeah. He would have a, a way different role, but you know, he just had to be willing to accept that. But yeah, I, it, I think Tim would have to be gone. Cause I think his fit there, that just gets a little shaky, but exactly, you know, it's, it's not a terrible trade, but not my favorite either. Um, Next up, we're going to be getting into some ones Mavs could do with the Bulls, and I do really like um, these two. They're not dissimilar whatsoever. They're basically the same thing. You're just subbing out kind of one player for another. Um, but in this scenario, the Mavs would trade Dwight Powell and a 2025 second to the Bulls for Kobe White and Javante Green. And Jaron also made another trade where uh, Javante Green was subbed out for – um, Tony Bradley. So, what are your thoughts on these trades that you proposed, and do you think the Bulls would actually do this? Yeah. So now, realistically, I think the Mavericks would have to send maybe two seconds, if not a first, for this. Um, but I think, I think the Mavs might be able to get away with Kobe White and whether it's Javante Green or Tony Bradley, mm-hmm. uh, because the Bulls are in such need of big men, like of of centers and depth. Um, they have so many weapons right now. Yeah, exactly. And they, you know, getting off that Kobe White contract or not, not, not contract, just getting off a of Kobe White, uh, you know, frees up some minutes, whether it's for Dragic or Caruso or Lonzo Ball. Like, there's just so many guards that they have on that roster that they have to clear up some sort of spot. And getting Dwight Powell in that, a guy who he's going to be in your rotation. I don't think that's a bad choice at all. Um, he, he, you know, he's a serviceable offensive big that offers him another option you know outside of Vucevic who's you know unathletic you know no yeah exactly using the pick and roll a little bit more and you know Powell's not necessarily like a haymaker that you know any uh, team is getting in a trade and it's like oh my gosh we got Dwight Powell but I think in this instance this is one of the few teams that could actually has like a real need for a center that could use him and I think you know the reason, like you said, the Mavericks might be able to get away with this is because Kobe White, you know, I feel like he easily, you know, because, you know, the reason he hasn't been signed to another team right as of yet, and, you know, he never, uh, you know, via sign and trade with, like, being a restricted free agent and what have you, um, and the Bulls never really re- renounced his rights or anything. It's just for the simple fact that he doesn't have enough suitors right now for anybody to take him on the market. No, exactly. Nobody right. to give him give him money, and that's the only reason I think his value his value is dipped enough for this trade to be applicable. Yeah, like I think the Javante or Javante Green, uh, I think that choice is probably more realistic because he's a, a small forward. Yeah. Um, he's a wing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a wing. Um, but yeah, like. I think this is probably one of the more realistic options that we're going to see. Yeah, like, I I like this because, you know, it doesn't really hurt both teams. Both teams get something out of it, whether it be, you know, a draft pick or a guy that's going to fill your rotation. Or even for the Mavericks instance, like, we need that secondary ball handler. And Kobe White fills that role. And, like, I I like it. I've been high on Kobe White. potential. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. You know, it's – you know, him not having the best of years last year compared to some of his previous couple first years. 
But I mean, he's still a younger guy that has potential to hit a higher, uh, higher ceiling than he's hit so far. So uh, yeah, no, I think it's a good trade overall with the amount of guards the Bulls have. Yeah, exactly. He really doesn't have a position on that roster right now. So I really do think that that is a good trade for both sides. No, whether the, I don't think I don't think I'd be comfortable if I'm the Mavericks giving up another first in there, but if it's two seconds. I think I'd still probably do it. Exactly. I agree with that. Yeah. So, anyways, on to the next trade. This is a trade. I think we did cover a package for Malik Beasley, but I don't know if it was specifically this one um, that we did in the uh, trade pod where we talked about the Mavericks um, players they could get back from the Jazz and a Donovan Mitchell fallout. And, you know, the Jazz are just fire selling all the veterans, which we kind of do expect to happen. But this one specifically, um, we figured we'd bring it up. Um, this would be Davis Bertans, Josh Green, and a first for Malik Beasley. Do you think the Mavericks are giving up too much here? Do you think this is an even trade? Like, would you? Who, who do you think says no in this scenario? I think if anybody says no, I feel like it's the Jazz, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't really know how much they value Malik Beasley. Right. Given he we haven't have- really played for them. No, exactly. So I don't know what his value standard is in Utah. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe they're okay with taking Josh in a first. Uh, yeah, Davis Bertans, you know, you're getting, you're getting a salary matcher. Really, is what it is. Yeah, and then you get a first out of it, and that's seems to be what Ainge is wanting for all these um, veterans is a first. Um, you know, want to? I was like, if you want to throw in a future second maybe that would entice him a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I like the trade. I feel like it's pretty even. Mm-hmm. Mavericks are getting that secondary ball handler while also giving up Josh Green in a first because really that's all you're giving up in this trade. Right. No, 100%. Um, and I think, you know, just depending on what Malik Beasley's asking price is, I think you could definitely get away just giving up Davis in a first and just straight up, and, and you know, giving up Davis's salary filler. So, the Jazz get a first. I think the Mavericks would have to send out their 2025 first in that instance. I think if you add Josh Green, that they could get away with sending out maybe some of their later first-round picks, like a 2027 or a 2029, you know? Yeah, exactly. So it, it kind of just depends where Malik Beasley's value is. But, you know, just his fit from the Mavericks, he is definitely more of a scorer than a playmaker. So he kind of, you know, he is a guy who can, you know, come off screens and facilitate a little bit. But he's not going to be, you know, that like certified secondary playmaker off the bench. So I think that would also be a little hesitancy for me if I'm the Mavericks giving up a first you know, for him. But at the same time, he can like really fill it up and he's a little more efficient than like a Tim Hardaway Jr. per se. Um, especially like before his allegations and all that when he was in Minnesota. So I would not hate this trade at all. I just don't know like like I said, we've talked about how the Mavericks giving up first round picks in the future is just really risky from the standpoint that they need to save them for the, you know, oh shoot, Luke is about a leaf trade where they might need to use multiple firsts to go chase a star. So that's my only hesitancy with it. Uh, maybe if you were to do just Tim Hardaway Jr. from Lee Beasley straight up. I, yeah, I could see that. I could maybe see that if, um, and like, and like Josh Green, they get a like, young player and then the jazz fill they send back you know just a guy on like a minimum or something like that just to fill the salary out to make that work but you know it's not like my favorite trade in the world i i do think the mavericks are giving up just a little bit more than i'd wish with they're giving up their 2025 first and josh green but i think you know if malik beasley is able to tap into his potential that he had back in minnesota and I would, I would really like this deal. So it, it kind of goes both ways for me. It's definitely right. a seesaw type of effect in which, in terms of the connotations you get out. Um, but you know, it's not a terrible trade. No, exactly. Like this is another trade, pretty similar in terms of packages. Uh, same team, Utah Jazz. Uh, it'd be Davis Bertans, Josh Green a future first and a second for Rudy Gay and Jordan Clarkson. And really, I think if you just throw in Tim Hardaway, you could probably save Josh Green, but I know that they 
the Jazz want young pieces and draft picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know if you could swap Bertans and Josh Green just for Tim Hardaway, which I'd rather give up Bertans, of course. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, for two guys, I, I don't really know how much Rudy Gay plays, plays in our rotation. That's just a guy that you throw in to match salaries. But he has another wing, so. Yeah, he's another wing. And he does have veteran experience, even if he doesn't really have to play that much, you know. Yeah, exactly. Somewhat so, ba- mm-hmm. yeah, like basically for Jordan Clarkson is Davis Breton, Josh Green, and a first and a second. I think that's yeah. plenty. And then, I mean, Rudy Gay kind of fills whatever void Josh Green has because he, he would play a little bit. I definitely think, you know, you're just replacing a vet um, with more experience versus Josh Green and obviously doesn't have near as much upside. Probably not the defender Josh Green might be in a year or two whatsoever, but it wouldn't be. I think I'd be more comfortable with this just from the standpoint that I think I'd rather have Clarkson over Beasley if I'm giving up a first from the standpoint that Clarkson is going to be able to distribute a little more off the bench. You know, he is still like a go-getter, a bucket scorer, but he can operate in the pick and roll a little more with some of the Mavericks bigs off the bench. And, you know, while he is significantly older than Beasley, I think Clarkson's almost 30 or he is 30 and Beasley's like 25. I I think it would help the Mavericks win a little bit more, you know, given I just think he's better and he does. He is like a – true kind of secondary ball handler. So I'd be a little more comfortable with this trade, for instance. But uh, nonetheless, like, I think both trades are realistic in what the Mavericks could do in a fallout with the Jazz if Donovan Mitchell gets shipped off. Yeah, exactly. And this is, you know, if – this would be after Mitchell gets shipped off. Yes. No, right, yes. This would not be a three-team trade or anything like that. Um, this one's a really interesting one. You know, we did talk about how we wouldn't be doing anything with the Kevin Durant trade uh, in regards to the Celtics and the Mavericks being involved as a third team with that. But Jaron actually proposed proposed one here with the Nets and the Warriors, you know, and though those are two teams trying to be good, the Warriors have so many assets that the money's a little more applicable and easier to work out on this one. Um, now, you didn't include the picks here, but obviously the Warriors would be giving up um, – you know, plenty of first-round picks here, I assume, for Kevin Durant. Um, and I don't know if you intended for the Mavericks to give up any first-round picks, but essentially the trade is Dwight Powell, Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, James Wiseman, and Jonathan Kaminga to the Nets for Kevin Durant, who'd go to the um, Warriors, obviously. And then Seth Curry would come back to the Mavericks for the third time after the Mavericks keep failing him time and time again. And this is a guy that I do think could – for sure, also fill that secondary ball handler off the um, off the bench. You know, he doesn't – just like Jordan Clarkson, he doesn't really – or Malik Beasley, for that matter. He doesn't really provide the defense that you need at that spot. But, I mean, the Mavericks need that secondary ball handling more than anything, especially if, like, Luka goes out with an injury. This team is just severely handicapped in what they'd be able to do in a regular season game in terms of who's going to um, be able to facilitate and run the offense, especially if Dinwiddie's having a down game. So, and Seth Curry can do that a little bit, and he's a really good shooter. And, you know, he'd be coming back to the Mavericks for the third time, which would be really funny. But I um, I really don't hate this from a value play. Um, were you intending for the Mavericks to give up any picks in this, or was it just Dwight Powell going I feel like I feel like the Mavericks have to give up a first. Uh, not only would it help out the Nets, I yeah, guess the Warriors, I guess. Um, well, I think they'd be giving a first to the Nets, you know. and then the they, No, they would, they would. That's the only reason the Warriors would be like, okay, yeah, you can come in as a third team. We'll- yeah, like I'll modify this trade a little bit. I think the Mavericks send to the Nets Dwight Powell and a first for Seth Curry, and the Warriors could possibly with that trade package. And the Warrior, the that, then that gives the Warriors maybe only three picks they need to send out or instead of like four. That yeah. yeah, and also just to shed off some salary, I think that they could probably. I don't, I don't know who's on that Nets roster that they really want to give up, but maybe Nick Claxton to the Warriors again. That would be, you know, Kevin Durant, Nick's, Nick Claxton in a Warriors jersey. Uh, and really just the Mavericks get Seth Curry. Yeah. And you're getting all these young guys. Especially if you're losing Wiseman in this deal, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think that's more enticing to the Warriors. Mm-hmm. If they get a young center. And Kevin Durant, because I, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind, 
if they can if Moses Moody hits, like that team is probably gonna win a championship if this trade were to happen. Yeah. Uh despite you know, Moody going out. Yeah, like losing Andrew Wiggins, I feel like is probably the most hurtful in terms of now. Yeah. But uh, know, Jordan Poole and Jonathan Camille, I mean, that's also their future right there. So this would be, you know, do the Warriors really want to sell their whole future just to win like two more championships in the current era? Yeah, I mean, it's not really anything from the Mavericks perspective that, especially if they give a first, that I would be like, oh, you know, I don't think that, that you know, they would be remiss to like include Seth Curry in this deal or whatever. I just think that, you know, given that, you know, it's a bigger three-team trade, I don't know if the Warriors are ready to sell their future to get KD back after he already left, you know? Exactly. Like, that is, that's the Warriors pulling the trigger, if it's anybody. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if this trade necessarily would go through um, on all fronts, but if it did, I, I would not hate – I don't think I would hate it whatsoever, you know? Um, I would well, also I would obviously be hesitant to give up a first-round pick um, just in any facet, especially, you know, if you're only getting back a – you know, one of these younger guys like – you know, there's also the flip side of, like, some of these younger guys like Malik Beasley or Kobe White, you know, they have – another ceiling to it so you know maybe giving up a first round pick in that aspect is a little easier to deal with um, but at the same time these veteran guys are going to provide more stability and you know what you're getting out of them you know so exactly that's yeah. why the whole giving up a first round pick thing is kind of so shaky on that front and i don't know if i would necessarily do it but at the same time the Mavericks did lose a they created a huge void with jalen brunson leaving in terms of a secondary playmaker and ball handler so you know, I could see it happening. Uh, you know, it could be realistic, but, you know, I think personally, I don't know if I would say yes to that just from the value, stamp, um, value standpoint of the first round pick for when that Luca trade may come around, but I don't hate it uh, um, whatsoever. Anyhow, um, now we're going to be getting into some bigger trades. These are basically, well, that one was a three-team trade, but all the rest of these are pretty similar in some of their packages, um, except the last one that we'll do. But these are, for the most part, all three-team trades with the Mavericks, Knicks, and Jazz. If the Mavericks were a direct facilitator within the um, Knicks and Jazz deal for Donovan Mitchell, if that ever comes into fruition. So we'll go ahead and get into them. The Jazz are taking back lots of salary in these deals that we've proposed here. So, you know, they definitely have to waive a lot of guys and, you know, waive some two ways. But that's really the only way we were able to make it work. Um, so the first one is and the Mavericks couldn't do this till August 30th because Patrick Beverly cannot get traded in aggregate with another player from his team um, since he was just recently traded until August 30th, but it would work then. So might as well throw it out here. Donovan Mitchell and Davis Bertans to the Knicks. It would be Patrick Beverly and Bojan Bogdanovic to the Mavericks. And it would be Evan Fournier, Dwight Powell, RJ Barrett, Cam Reddish, Obi Toppin, and Emmanuel Quickly, and Emmanuel Quickly to the Knicks, along with four first-round picks from the Knicks and one first-round pick on the Mavericks 2025 from the Mavericks. All right, Aaron. So in this instance, the Mavericks are parting with Dwight Powell and Bertans, and really just a first to get back Beverly and Bojan Bogdanovic. But you know, with the package that the Jazz are getting, you know, it helps them kind of fire sell one of their players, and it helps them get an extra pick. I don't know if they'll be able to squeeze a first-round pick out of Beverly, um, just personally, um, given, you know, he is a defensive-minded point guard that can help, but he is getting older. I think they can definitely get one out of Bogdanovich. Um, just given that it's – I feel like this would be a little more applicable since it's a three-team trade, and I feel like everybody kind of walks away with this satisfied. Um, would you give up a first-round pick for both those guys? And, I mean, I personally would. And do you think anybody would say no in this instance? No, yeah, I like I would give up a first round pick, for sure. I'd give up a first round pick. You're getting both of them for sure. Yeah, yeah, you're getting both of them, and those are two rotational guys that are going to play big minutes on your rotation. Right. Um. No, I I like the trade. I think the Jazz are getting enough in return to you know ship those guys off and also ship off Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Uh. Like I, I like the trade. I don't have the trade pulled up, 
so I'm just kind of going off the top of my head. So sorry if I get yeah, stuff wrong. They're getting, or I mean, they're getting an assortment of young players plus five first round picks total. Like it is an absolute haul. I mean, it's and notably of the young players that get RJ Barrett, Cam Reddish, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, and then Evan Fournier and Dwight Power, kind of the sour, sourly, sour, <laughs> salary, salary matches. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, and then who are the Knicks getting? Is it just Mitchell? Uh, Mitchell and Bertans. Okay. So the Mavs would get yeah. off Bertans and Powell in this instance. They'd keep Tim. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's a good way to like add sort of a pseudo creator in Bogdanovich, a guy who can create his own offense, not necessarily like be a distributor or some of that nature, but you know, he is going to be able to create for himself and that he would take pressure off Luca and Dinwiddie for sure. And he's, you know, assault, maybe a slightly above average defender. And then you get um, Beverly who can facilitate a little bit. Um, and also is a really good defender at the point guard position. So I, I, I don't know. I really like this trade. No, I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I would be hesitant to see if the Jazz would say yes, just because, you know, you're shipping off both Bogdanovich, Beverly, and Mitchell. You know, they may want more in return at that point, but it does help the salaries work a little better for a Jazz Knicks trade. So, in that aspect, um, I could see it happening. And the Knicks are getting, you know, a shooter in place of Fournier, even though, you know, those are both guys on bad contracts. You know, you don't totally – lose out a ton of offense if you sub up Bertans for Fournier, in my opinion. So, you know, I think that one benefits everybody. Um, and this one you actually made. So in this instance, we have Jordan Clarkson going to the Mavericks, Donovan Mitchell going to the Knicks, Dwight Powell, RJ Barrett, Cam Reddish, Quentin Grimes, Obi Toppin, and Josh Green along with three Knicks picks, their 2025, their 2023, and their 2027, and the Mavericks 2027 first. So the Mavericks are parting with one of their later first, Josh Green and Dwight Powell to get Jordan Clarkson. Very kind of similar to the Jordan Clarkson trade that we um, hashed out earlier, but it's just in a three-team format. Um, I think this is a little more realistic for sure um, in terms of the Jazz. Like, you know, I think they'd almost for sure say yes, barring – them somehow wanting another pick, wanting five first rounders, you know, and inevitably in all these trades, there's going to be like seconds and pick swaps that we're not accounting for here that could go out. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, that's not really our, um, we don't have it down to like that logistical side of it. We're just, you know, going at face value because these are the, um, the first round picks are, you know, really for the most part are all that matters and things like this. And, you know, the second round picks and the pick swaps kind of get ironed out, you know, as trade discussions go further. Um, from what I understand. So that's kind of what we're going off of here. So what, what would your thoughts be if the Mavericks were able to pull Jordan Clarkson out of that? Um, having just, you know, only having to sacrifice, you know, Josh Green first and Dwight in, or do you think that's too much? No, I actually really, really like this pick really for all three teams. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Knicks, if you think about it, they're giving up what three firsts and really only two rotational guys. And let's preface that the Knicks do have like other firsts, like they, no, they have stockpile Luka. first for the next couple of years from like other teams. So they wouldn't be like totally vacant further. They wouldn't in any of these trades, the Knicks are not just going to be like stripped of all future flexibility. No. Yeah. Uh, like really the only reason why I could see there being a fifth first or I guess a fourth for the Knicks is, is because, you know, they're, they're only giving away, two guys who were in the Knicks rotation uh, for Donovan Mitchell. But – Yeah, but then, you know, Quentin Grimes does have a lot of upside. He seems exactly. like his value is coveted. You know, I think if you sub out Quentin Grimes for quickly, there's no doubt in my mind that the Jazz would say yes in this instance. No, exactly. Like, really, you know, there's – you're getting, what, five young guys who have the potential. I mean, I don't know if you could throw Josh Green in there. Yeah. Um. And then on top of that, four picks, and you're giving up Donovan Mitchell, which your future is already over. Yeah, you know, your only salary filler is really just Dwight Powell. Yeah, that's it. And you don't have a center, so and you're getting a center with that. Right. Like, I, I like the trade. I per, I, I think yeah. it's a good value for yeah, this, both. Uh, this is a guy who's going to come in and be the most you know ardent mentor of Walker Kessler and help him become the second coming <laughs> of um, prime Andrew Bogut. So – Exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, 
here, let's just scrolling through some of the other trades we got here and trying to see what we have. What we have left, I believe we have two left here. One second. All right, so here's here's the next one. So in this instance, I can't remember if you or me made this, but this is an interesting play. In my opinion here, the Mavs just give up a little bit too much defense, um, especially with Obi topping or Obi Toppin having questions defensively. But in this instance, the Mavericks would take back Malik Beasley and Obi Toppin. So they get a young player in this, so that's always an upside. But they yeah. are shooting out two young players. So the Knicks would get Donovan Mitchell, Josh Green, and a 2025 second from the Mavericks. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell from the Jazz goes without saying. The Jazz would get Davis Bertans, Frank Nitlikina, RJ Barrett, Cam Riddish, Quentin Grimes, Manuel Quickly, and um, let's see. It's a, I think it's three first. Yeah, they get they get four total first, one for the Mavericks, three from the Knicks, and then um, two second rounders from two the seconds Knicks. from the Knicks. Yes. It's a, so, it's a big haul. It is a big, it is a huge trade. Um, do you think that the Mavericks are giving up enough here, or like do you think they're giving up too much given the fact that they, you know, they lose both of their first wings off the bench, and there are questions about Obi Toppin defensively, um, if he can guard wings because you know he can be, while he is really athletic, you know, there are questions in terms of his ability to guard a little under, um, just given some of his foot speed issues and things of that nature and his effort coming out of Dayton. So, you know, in, in this instance, the Mavs really don't – they're only giving up Josh Green, Davis, and Frank. I mean, you even keep Dwight Powell and Tim, you, and you just give up a first and a second. I do like it from a value standpoint. You know, you get a young guy with upside and Obi Toppin and Malik Beasley, is, and we already talked about him earlier, how he would fit with the Mavericks. But he would be pairing with Tim Hardaway Jr., which makes his fit a little more redundant. Yeah. What what kind of connotations do you think this would have for the Mavericks? And do you think that everybody would pull the trigger on this? So I think the Knicks might be a little hesitant mm-hmm. with with the Mavericks in particular. Like I don't we'll know if they have what? Yeah, just for the fact that they're um giving up Obi Toppin to the Mavericks. No, exactly. Like and they're not really getting a whole lot in return by us. Yeah. They're getting you know, is it, is it do you want, you know, it's basically Obi Toppin for Josh Green at that point. And you're like, okay, do you want a guy with a little more defensive upside that might be able to play within a rotation better? And if you're the Mavericks, you're like, okay, well, if this is what we have to do to get Malik Beasley, let's at least get a young player back in the deal. Exactly. And Obi Toppin's not a total liability. Like he's gonna yeah, go yeah. like on offense, I think he's a pretty well-rounded guy. Yeah um you know the fact that you know you know he's he's developing a shot it's not necessarily all there but it is definitely developing and he has he has some interesting ability to get to the basket and his athleticism is completely off the charts so exactly like I, I think I think it's a if the Mavericks got this package I would really like it I'd really enjoy it and getting yeah. your, your third I guess off the especially bench especially if you can find a way to move Tim for a wing or something like that no, exactly. Yeah. Tim for Bogdanovich swap. But the only thing is the Mavs do give up a first round pick. And I, I can't see the Mavericks giving up more than one first round pick this offseason unless some star becomes available and they somehow finagle a trade. So that does kind of limit your flexibility going forward. So, I, you know, if I think if the Mavericks could keep one of Frank or Josh in this deal, I'd for sure say yes. Right. Definitely. Yeah. But given that they're not, it, it makes me hesitant. But I, I don't think, you know, you know, if Malik Beasley can, like we said, start to become more of the player he's becoming in Minnesota, I think this is a worthy gamble. But it's definitely it's definitely a close call. I would agree on that front. Yeah. Like, I like the trade, but, yeah, is is there enough value coming back? Mm-hmm. We're giving up, you know, Josh Green, a first, a second. Yes. Andy Lukina. Yes. No, I completely agree. And I actually lied. We actually have two more trades after this. So we had three when I said that a bit earlier. But. This last one is the mat, the last of the four um, three-team – I mean, not sign trades. The last of the three-team trades that we have between the Mavericks, Jazz, and Knicks. Um, this one I made, I believe. And this one is probably 
my personal favorite out of the four. I think it kind of works out for everybody the best. Um, but, you know, I would be hesitant to see if like the Mavericks didn't give up enough or what. But in this instance, we have Davis Bertans and Donovan Mitchell going to the Knicks. Mike Conley and Jared Vanderbilt going back to the Mavericks. Evan Fournier, Dwight Powell, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, all going to the Jazz, along with four first-rounders from the Jazz, a second-rounder from the Mavericks, and a first-rounder from the Mavericks. The only reason I could see this being applicable and the Mavericks getting this, you know, only giving up a first-round pick is if Mike Conley's value is really plummeted around the league from his first-round playoff performance against the Mavericks, which I still think, and I was talking to some people on Twitter about this as of recently, you know, I think he got a really bad rap um, for how he played in that first round. You know, he definitely did have a bad series. But overall, the last couple of years, he has not been bad as a guy who can still kind of come in, even as, you know, shorter stature compared to some other point guards at his position and still play defense and be smart. You know, he's a, he made an all-defensive second team back in his heyday and be a primary, you know, or a secondary ball handler and creator. I think he still is able to fill that role, especially if, if he's coming off the bench for the Mavericks. Yeah. Um, I really like, you know, his fit, you know, and he's a little younger than I think some people think. Some people on Twitter, I saw we're throwing out, he's like 37. He's actually only 34. He'll turn 35 soon, but he's only 34 right now. And I really actually do um, value him a little bit more. And if, if his value is really as low as, you know, some people are saying, like some people are saying Ainge won't get a first round pick back for him. The Mavericks are effectively giving up a first round pick and you get a, young wing in Vanderbilt who I really like as his potential as he, you know, the way he projects um, defensively and sort of some of the things he can do with the basketball and the open floor. And, you know, he's, you know, still developing a shot kind of, but it, it's definitely coming around. So you get that young guy and, you know, you're only giving up a first Dwight Powell, um, a first Dwight Powell. And Davis, obviously. Um, I don't know. The only hesitancy I have is that the Jazz think they're not getting back enough in this, but they are getting five first-round picks at the end of the day and an assortment of young players for um, – and, you know, if they're viewing Mike Conley as a negative asset, you know, they're getting off him basically with a first-round pick just to, like, let go of Vanderbilt, who really doesn't matter to them if they're not trying to win at all next year anyways, even though he is a younger guy. So I, th I think this is a really beneficial trade. I just don't – I don't know if everybody would say yes but I would really like this package. You know, you're getting Jared Vanderbilt, a young four, I think who has proven that he can play or who's proven that he has the potential to play big minutes in the NBA. And then you're also filling in your bench point guard role with Mike Conley. And that's really all that's asked of, asked of him. Uh, you know, he's going to be, he's going to fill in that defensive point guard void. Uh, you know, that we, definitely have an extent, even though, you know, he's definitely lost a step in his age. No, he definitely has. But, you know, coming off the bench, that defense is going to be – It's going to be elevated because he's going to be able to exert a lot more, in a, you know, if he's only playing like 20, 25 minutes a game. Exactly. And he's going to be – the ball is going to be in his hands in those minutes. Mm -hmm. um, I know Greg St. Jean mentioned that either Luca or uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be the court on the court at all times. But with this, you know, that frees up minutes. Yeah. Uh, and the Mavericks I, need another ball handler that – that should not be misconstrued at all just because, you know, maybe St. Gene's comments, you know. He's a no, really exactly. Smart yeah. guy, but the Mavericks know they need a, another ball handler. And, you know, whether it be now or at the trade deadline, by the trade deadline, they they have to accumulate that at some point because, I mean, they just have no reassurance. Even if you want to make the argument that they can get away with what they have right now, like if one of those guys gets down, they're basically screwed. Oh, no, exactly. Like, Between Winnie and Luca. Mm -hmm. Wins are really on Luca, but if – even if um, – Dinwiddie goes down mm -hmm. like this offense is just this team is just so centered around those two guys yeah in terms of how they're going to be able to distribute to everybody because you know yeah I mean especially with Christian Wood um the questions coming in in terms of if he's going to be able to create offense for himself I mean that's a big drawback as well in terms of needing um a ball handler and that's why I think that they should definitely try and invest in getting one before um, the season even starts versus like wait until the trade deadline if they can, but you know, anything yeah. give nothing. Mm -hmm. No, and this is this is a great. I think this is a great time to get one because there's so many at like, and there's not there's really nothing happening around the league. But whenever one thing does pop off, there's gonna be a line of trades that happen. Yeah, 
And if anything, you know, I think Donovan Mitchell getting more getting moved by the um, beginning of training camp is more likely than Kevin Durant. So I agree. A lot of him is more applicable for the Mavericks to get versus the Mavericks getting in on some, you know, Celtics Nets or whoever Durant gets shipped off to. The Mavericks trying to get in there, it's going to be a little harder because I don't, I don't really know where that timeline projects as of right now because you know the Nets are going to try to hold out to get the best pass possible um, package as long as that they can. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I agree. With so the next one's a little bit of a more of a meme trade, I guess. Um, but we're going to go ahead and close the pot out with this. Um, in this instance, um, the Mavericks would be taking back some guys to accumulate some seconds. I don't know if they would be getting a first in this instance, just because I don't know if the teams involved would, you know, be willing to give them a first. I don't know if really everybody would say yes in this. Yeah. Um, but we'll go ahead and throw it out there anyways, because I, I tried to – I said screw it, and I tried to make the Russell Westbrook, Kyrie Irving thing kind of work, so I did my best. So, you know, you're – the good thing about this trade is the Mavericks would get off a lot of expiring money. You know, they're adding 7.5 million to their cap in this trade and they would, and you get, you'd have to take on Westbrook for a year, but you know, your books would be basically cleared. Um, well, not cleared, but it would allow you a little more flexibility when you get into the 2023 off season uh, with all that money coming off. And, you know, who knows if Westbrook hits or not and is, you know, able to, actually play within a role off the bench. I don't know if you'd be willing to do that. So there is definitely hesitancy with this trade. But without further ado, the trade is Russell Westbrook, Royce O'Neal, and this wouldn't work until August 30th. No, it would work because Royce O'Neal wouldn't be in trade in aggregate. So it would work. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah. Russell Westbrook, Royce O'Neal, uh, 2025 and a 2023 second to the Mavericks via the Lakers. The Lakers get Kyrie Irving, Dwight Powell, and Frank Nitlikina. The Nets get Davis Bertans, Tim Hardaway Jr., Taylor Horton Tucker, Austin Reeves, and two firsts from the Lakers, which that's really the kind of end when it comes to the um, – just like the Lakers young players they give up, and I don't think the Mavericks would really be willing to, you know, give up any of their young players. But, you know, the if the Nets have any hope of somehow accumulating some firsts or a little value from Kyrie, I think – this would be their one of their ways they could do it if they if he forced his hand and somehow made it to LA, which I don't really foresee happening, but it sounds like one of the only places he'd be willing to go. I really don't think he gets traded at this point. But if he were to, it's interesting. Um, you know, the Mavericks are giving up uh Frank, Dwight Powell, and Davis and Tim. The only thing I'm a little hesitant giving up Tim, especially if you know you're taking back that bad, bad, bad contract in Westbrook, even though there is only a year left. I would be a little hesitant to give up Tim, but you do get another 3 and D role player in Royce O'Neal, which I think would bode well for the Mavericks, for the Nets. You know, if they're doing this trade, like if they're do- the Nets are doing the Kyrie trade, then at that point they're definitely rebuilding, right? That was exactly. kind of my mindset going into this because KD will definitely be leaving at some point, we'd assume. So, you know, at this point, the Nets aren't really trying to retool as much as they're just trying to accumulate picks. Uh, the Mavericks would not have to send out any first in this. Um, they would just, you know, because they're, punishment of sorts in this trade is taking back Westbrook's contract. Would you be willing to take a risk on Westbrook like personally in this trade? Or do you think that, you know, he's just kind of a lost cause in terms of the role he'd be willing to accept with the Mavericks? So I think, I think, you know, it, it depends on how you look at the season. If you look at this roster and you're like, yeah, we're not good enough to win a championship. You know, let's, let's take this season kind of get get some money back, maybe get Royce O'Neal, a guy that might be able yeah. to play. Get, get two seconds back for future trade flexibility. See what Roy, how Royce O'Neal, you know, he's another 3 and D wing that can fit in the rotation, you know? No, exactly. And that clears up taking this Westbrook contract and getting off of Bertans, Hardaway, getting off of those contracts, and Dwight Powell. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it frees up a lot of cap money for future. Yeah. So, because, you know, that takes Tim – it takes Tim off your books for next year. Exactly. So, and Bertons. Yeah. Well, and Bertons. Yeah. Cause you know, Dwight would be coming off regardless. So no, but it would free up a lot of money. Um, I don't like personally hate this trade. I honestly might even pull the trigger. It's just the locker room questions with what, I mean, not the locker room questions. Cause 
you know, he has been noted to be a good guy everywhere he goes, but just the whole thing with his media spill and him, the role he tried to accept, I just don't know how it could create a lot of drama. It could really negatively affect the Mavericks. So I would tread very care- carefully, but I will say on paper, it does look good. On paper, yeah. I My my takeaway is I really like Royce O'Neal in this. Yeah. Because um, I really don't see, unless if he signs for the vet men, I really don't see Russell Westbrook coming back. And that's if everything works out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, I don't hate it. I don't love it. It's not my favorite. It's not the worst. Like, mm-hmm. it, it just depends on how you want to look at this next season. Yeah, out. if you're looking at it positively, like, I saw, funny uh, funny enough, on Twitter, um, Westbrook actually, so he fired his agent, and he just got Jeff Schwartz as his agent, who's the same agent as uh, Jason Kidd. And Mavs fans were reading way too much into that. And it's, just, you know, <laughs> it's typical. Um but um, I don't know. It just kind of looks at what – do you think Russell Westbrook would finally be willing to accept a lesser role? And, you know, it, it could swing one of two ways, obviously. Like if Westbrook, you know, just rekindled a bit of his, you know, former play and is this guard off the bench that somehow is willing to accept his role, and it would work out really well and actually could vote really well for the Mavericks, and they definitely get a win out of this trade. But – I feel like that's just such a slim possibility given that guy's demeanor and his mindset towards things and how much he wants to be involved that I, I don't know. I just kind of don't see it really coming into fruition, but it was a funny w- little trade that I kind of wanted to sneak in there at the end. Yeah, no, I, I, I applaud the effort. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well with that, we will be ending the pod. Um, we are going to be back tomorrow and do another pod. Uh, we apologize about the weight on this pod. Um, we both just been kind of time pressed lately and it's just the dog days of the off season. And we, it took a lot tr- uh, longer to make some of these fake trades than we kind of expected. We wanted to have like good, you know, semi-realistic fake trades. We didn't want to just throw out a bunch of BS out there that we couldn't actually see happening. So that's the reason that, you know, we put a little bit more work and waited a couple of days, especially since the off season, but you know, don't think that we're going to be taking off three, four days regularly just because we have, a, you know, at different times during the last couple of weeks. It's just like the complete dog days of the offseason stuff happens. But no, yeah, wait. Kind of, yeah, go ahead. Before we leave, I don't think we've talked about Moses Wright yet. Oh, yes. Good. Good tie-in. Good tie-in. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I couldn't really refine this report anywhere except for like a few like Chinese basketball websites when I looked it up. But Moses Wright is, I think, signing with like the Guangdong Tigers or something like that in the CBA, the Chinese Basketball Association. So uh, that leaves another open two-way spot for the Mavericks. And that kind of makes you question why they couldn't even bring in AJ Lawson. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a two-way spot. So I've definitely got past that a little bit. It's still really funny to me. Um, It's just, it is what it is, but I was, um, I was actually really surprised by that. I thought, you know, you'd really be trying to, you know, furbish himself in the league but hey he'll probably get more money over there versus staying in the g league over here if that's how he thought his um, immediate future is going to pan out so good for him and you know with that being said um like we said at the beginning of the pod ripped a bit um bill russell you know just an absolute legend in the uh game of basketball and i saw jeskin wade put this in twitter you know he's a one hell of a basketball player but he was even a greater man and, you know, like Jaron said, um, he was part of the reason um, that Jaron even started playing basketball. You know, he was wearing right. number when he was little. And, you know, despite how long ago it may have been that he played, you know, he lived a long and extravagant life. And his game still carries over in today. And, um, you know, he's transcended the times and he's done a lot for this world. So um, rip to him. And we wish nothing um, but our sympathies and condolences towards the NBA family and his loved ones. And with that being said, Mainstream Mavs signing out. Peace.